Welcome back, warriors. Tanse Sego Ani Buju. Quay Nin De Luizi Pam Palmeter, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. And today, I want to talk to you all about the National Inquiry's final report into murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, and in particular, their finding that Canada is guilty of genocide. Now, I know we already talked about this issue and different aspects of the report in my previous podcasts. Uh, The three specific podcasts were episode 21 called Canada's Genocide, episode 22, how genocide and ecocide go hand in hand, and episode 23, which was former Commissioner Michelle Odette's call for action to end genocide. I also did a four-part series on my YouTube channel that provided an overview of the final report and talked about some of the key issues within that report. These videos were the three most important things to know about the final report, genocide in Canada, which talked about the legal definition, calls for justice, which talked about the core recommendations, and Canada is an outlaw, which talked about the ongoing sex discrimination in the Indian Act. I've also been writing about the issue of murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls, the National Inquiry, and the many problems that plagued it, as well as issues related to genocide and violence against Indigenous women and girls on my blog called Indigenous Nationhood. If you haven't already, please listen to those previous podcasts, watch those videos, and catch up on my blogs all of which are accessible on my website, which is just www.pampalmeter.com. The more you know about Canada's genocide, the better informed you'll all be to help us push governments, Canadians and corporations to act to end the genocide. And in the spirit of trying to keep a consistent focus on this crisis in Canada so that it doesn't get swallowed up by the talk of elections or pipelines, I wanted to do this podcast. It's based in part on an article I wrote for Now Magazine. I'll also post a link to the article in the description box so that you can read it later. And if you want to help support my podcast, blogs, and videos, I'll also post a link to my Patreon page in the description box. Now, about the article that I wrote for Now Magazine, you'll notice that it's quite a bit shorter than this podcast, but it's sort of like having some summary show notes, if you will. To my mind, the National Inquiry into Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women already found that Canada is guilty of genocide. It should no longer be up for debate. But as soon as the report was released, everyone, whether they had a background in genocide or not, was debating whether or not we should be using the word genocide. But that is their finding. And it's a finding that was supported by the Truth and Reconciliation Report, many legal experts and academics who have been saying this for years. But most importantly, their finding of genocide was based on the testimony evidence of hundreds and hundreds of Indigenous peoples. It was based on an independent legal research and analysis by their own and the evidence submitted by experts. 
It's not a political finding. It's not an academic finding. This is a formal finding and it's one that should be respected. Keep in mind that the National Enquiry also found that Canada has and continues to engage in what they call race-based genocide that specifically targets Indigenous women and girls. So none of this is happening by accident. And their conclusion was based on all of the family members and loved ones and survivors and experts. Their conclusion is one that should be taken seriously. And the finding that Canada is guilty of genocide is based firmly on both the evidence and the law, and not just the law here in Canada, but internationally. So journalists and political commentators and politicians and Canadians in general should not be shocked to hear this word. It's not the first time an inquiry or commission has come to the exact same conclusion. Like I already said, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission concluded that in all of its dealings with Indigenous peoples, Canada is guilty of genocide, cultural, physical, and biological. And it's long past time to admit that we're in a real crisis in this country. And Canada is at a crossroads. It is guilty of ongoing genocide. It can choose to be a genocide denier, like other state perpetrators of genocide, or Canada can be a world leader, step up, accept full responsibility for both historic and ongoing genocide, and then take urgent action to end the genocide. And it's true, this admission of genocide may have political, legal, and social consequences, but that's a very small price to pay for a country that is guilty of the genocide of thousands and thousands of Indigenous peoples. And it is one of the most horrific crimes in the law. Canadian leaders have long professed a commitment to human rights and Indigenous rights, both here at home and on the international stage. And our current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is no exception. Yet, the National Enquiry found that it is Canada's very denial and breach of those human rights and Indigenous rights that created this genocide to begin with. Various Prime Ministers have called out grave human rights violations and genocides committed by other states, and rightly so. Canada should call out genocide being committed anywhere in the world, but that also includes their own backyard. So the current debate amongst politicians, journalists, and Canadians about whether or not this is genocide is more than unfortunate. It amounts to denial, and that is precisely how genocide is allowed to continue to this very day in plain sight. Yet, the debate amongst politicians, journalists, media commentators, and armchair analysts focus almost exclusively on the Holocaust. In their minds, if millions of people did not die within a short time, then it simply cannot be called a, a genocide. Yet, in the law... Holocaust is not the standard of genocide. 
Genocides in different countries can never be compared to one another because they occur at different times under very unique and special social, cultural, and political circumstances. They are all different. The Holocaust was the systemic state-sponsored persecution and mass killing of millions of Jewish people in a relatively short period of time. It's one of the worst examples of genocide, but it's not the only way in which a systemic state-sponsored genocide can occur in the law. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but both customary international law and the United Nations Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide both make genocide a crime, and it can occur in a variety of forms which may or may not involve the mass killing of a targeted group, and that is probably the most important thing to understand. The definition of genocide in Article 2 of the Convention talks about killing members of a, a racial group like Indigenous peoples, but it also includes other things like serious bodily and mental harm, creating the conditions of life meant to bring about the destruction of the group, preventing births in a group, or the forced transfer of children from one group to another. A state need only commit one of these acts to be guilty of genocide and Canada is guilty of all of them. Both pre- and post-Confederation settler governments have engaged in the targeted elimination, dispossession, oppression, and brutal violence against Indigenous peoples generally, but Indigenous women and girls specifically and in a very targeted way. Settler governments used premeditated acts like smallpox blankets and scalping bounties to literally kill Indigenous peoples. They engaged in ethnic cleansing through starvation policies on the prairies to kill Indigenous peoples and clear the lands for settlement. They engaged in disproportionate deaths of Indigenous peoples in police custody and the over-incarceration of Indigenous peoples to keep them literally locked up and out of sight. These acts together represent Canada's genocidal past and present. But it's the unique way in which racism, sexism, and misogyny combined with Canada's Eurocentric white supremacy ideologies and exploitive colonization objectives, which serve to target Indigenous women and girls. They considered them as barriers to lands and resources to be eliminated or resources themselves to be exploited and disposed of as if Indigenous women and girls were less than human. We know the very first National Police Force, the Northwest Mounted Police, worked with Indian agents to withhold food rations from reserve communities in order to extort sex from young Indigenous girls. Many, many, many of the priests and nuns in residential schools raped, tortured, abused, starved, and medically experimented on Native boys and girls, where thousands died as a result under what's been referred to as Canada's quote-unquote final solution Indian policy. Indigenous women and girls were also targeted for forced sterilizations, often against their will and sometimes against their own knowledge. 
The Indian Act was designed to create a legal definition of Indian that would result in the legislative extinction of Indians over time by targeting Indian women and kids for exclusion or expulsion from their First Nations. Now fast forward to today, and there's been numerous public inquiries and commissions that have noted that Canada's legal, political, and social systems are literally infected with racism against Indigenous peoples and the combination of racism, sexism, and misogyny against Indigenous women and girls in particular. Some of these commission and inquiries include the Donald Marshall wrongful prosecution inquiry, the Ipperwash inquiry with the shooting of Dudley George, Neil Stonechild inquiry uh, uh, about the Starlight Tours, the Aboriginal Justice Inquiry of Manitoba, which was about the assault and abduction of Helen Betty Osborne and the shooting of unarmed J.J. Harper, the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, and of course the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And that's not all of them. Human Rights Watch has also documented numerous reports of RCMP officers raping and beating Indigenous women and girls with impunity. Police officers in Quebec were investigated for driving Indigenous women out of town and sexually assaulting them. Doctors are still being accused today of forced and coerced sterilizations of Indigenous women, while social workers steal thousands of babies from Indigenous mothers and put them in foster care. And incredibly, after 140 years, the Indian Act still targets Indigenous women and their children from exclusion from Indian status, membership in their communities, participating in leadership and government in their First Nations, and from accessing critical human services like food, water, and housing. We are in a national crisis unlike Canada has ever seen. We are in the midst of a genocide and people are dying. The only question now should be, what is Canada going to do next? We know that Indigenous women and human rights organizations and the National Inquiry and, and uh, United Nations groups have all called on Canada to implement an urgent national action plan that is based on the protection and implementation of human rights and native rights for Indigenous women and girls and to address all of these root causes and socioeconomic conditions. Prime Minister Trudeau has an opportunity to set the example for the rest of the world on how to accept responsibility for these grave human rights violations, state-perpetrated atrocities, and genocides. Trudeau should stand before Indigenous peoples, Canadians, and the world, accept full responsibility, condemn the genocide, and then commit to addressing this national crisis with all the urgency and resources required of an ongoing genocide, just like they would if this was happening in another country. For this genocide, Canada doesn't need to send troops to a developing country or work with allies to defend against a dangerous dictator. All it needs to do is turn its resources inward and work on a transitional justice plan a national action plan in partnership with Indigenous governments, but led by Indigenous women. That is the response required of Canada right now. Not debates, not denials, and not focus on elections. Anything less 
will render Canada an outlaw state, deserved of international intervention. And I hope that anyone who is listening to this podcast will take up the calls made by Indigenous peoples, made by Indigenous women, made by international human rights organizations, and of course the National Inquiry, to push your governments, federal, provincial, and municipal, as well as corporations and any entity in Canada to end this genocide. Thank you all for tuning into my show. I really hope you heard something that inspires you to take action of some kind. Emails and letters to MPs and senators, or using your skills to support organizations working with Indigenous women and girls, or using your power and influence to pressure politicians to act, or maybe your wealth and resource to support those who are doing the advocating. And if you liked this episode, please consider supporting my podcast by subscribing to it, liking it, and sharing each episode. The more we share this kind of information with our friends, families, colleagues, and social justice allies, the wider reach we will have. And we need to maintain pressure on all governments. We cannot let this final report of the National Inquiry and their finding that Canada is guilty of genocide just be a media headline for a week and be gone, especially in the context of the upcoming election. In fact, there should be no greater issue in this upcoming election than what each political party plans to do to end genocide in this country. Remember, this is life and death crisis for Indigenous women and girls. We need to push for justice. Make sure to share all of your comments, questions, and ideas in the comment section. Share with me what you're doing, what your community is doing, what your social justice group is doing to help push Canada to end genocide. I'm currently hosted on SoundCloud, but you can also get me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can follow me on Instagram as Pam underscore Palmeter as I talk about warrior living. And you can subscribe to my videos on YouTube where I tackle the difficult political and legal issues facing Indigenous peoples. I try to post all of my blogs on Indigenous nationhood, which is also available online. And like I said, you can go to my website, pampometer.com, and get a whole wealth of resources. Not just all of this social media content, but all of my publications, most of which are open access. There's background information. There's links to the National Inquiry Report. Please take that critical step of reconciliation, self-educate, and then find a place where you can help advocate and push Canada to end genocide. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walaliyah. Well,